Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. We read from Joshua chapter 6. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And Yahweh said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, Then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go up, every one straight before him. So Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of Yahweh. And he said to the people, Go forward, march around the city, and let the armed men pass on before the ark of Yahweh. And just as Joshua had commanded the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before Yahweh went forward, blowing the trumpets with the ark of the covenant of Yahweh following them. The armed men were walking before the priests who were blowing the trumpets, and the rear guard was walking after the ark while the trumpets blew continually. But Joshua commanded the people, You shall not shout or make your voice heard, neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout. Then you shall shout. So he caused the ark of Yahweh to circle the city, going about it once, and they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of Yahweh, and the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of Yahweh walked on, and they blew the trumpets continually. And the armed men were walking before them, and the rear guard was walking after the ark of Yahweh, while the trumpets blew continually. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned into the camp. So they did for six days. On the seventh day they rose early at the dawn of the day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for Yahweh has given you the city, and the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to Yahweh for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live, because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But you keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have devoted them you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel the thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. But all the silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to Yahweh. They shall go into the treasury of Yahweh. So the people shouted, and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout, and the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Then they devoted all in the city to destruction, both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep, and donkeys with the edge of the sword. But to the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, Go into the prostitute's house and bring out from there the woman and all who belonged to her as you swore to her. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her, and they brought all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel, and they burned the city with fire and everything in it. And only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of Yahweh. But Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her 
Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Joshua laid on an oath on them at that time, saying, Cursed before Yahweh be the man who rises up and rebuilds this city, Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn shall he lay its foundation, and at the cost of his youngest son shall he set up its gates. So Yahweh was with Joshua, and his fame was in all the land. This is the word of the Lord. As we consider our text today, this is actually a a wonderful opportunity for a a family activity to actually act this out in your household. could be fun, especially with young children. So consider that. I'll, I'll give you some examples here as we get to it. But first, a little detail about what's going on. We recall from the previous chapters that the people of Israel have now crossed into the Promised Land. They've they crossed the Jordan River on dry ground as the Lord had stopped up the waters to the north. And they built a memorial of 12 stones that they would always remember what the Lord has done for them at the Jordan River. And now they're camped to the east of Jericho. They're camped at Gilgal, which comes from the Hebrew word for to roll, because the Lord was going to roll away the iniquity, what was it, the, the reproach of Egypt from his people. And now they're going to take the city of Jericho. This is their first act in the promised land of driving out the enemy in order that the Lord would give them the land. So what's it going to look like? Well, the Lord is going to instruct this. He is going to give Jericho into the hand of his people. Notice God is active. He is giving this city to them. The people of Jericho are already afraid. You see that in verse 1, right? They've locked themselves in. No one's going in or out of Jericho. They've closed the gates. They're afraid. So what's going to happen? The Israelites are to take their army, all the men of war. I don't know how many that would be here. Um, When they counted this back in the book of Numbers, as they had just left Egypt, it was 603,550 fighting men. That's a massive group. Uh, They were to count every male from 20 and upward. But all of those died in the wilderness. How many were they having? How many children were they having? Were they trusting the Lord's promise that he was going to bring them into the promised land? Were they fruitful as the Lord instructs people to be? Or were they being sinful and rebelling and being selfish? And we know all those things to be true. So it wouldn't be a surprise if their number is smaller or even significantly smaller as they enter the promised land than it had been before, 40 years earlier. But the picture here, take all the men of war and march around the city. So this is like a siege, right? The city is shut up. Nobody's coming in or out, and it's on lockdown. And instead of building siege works against it like you see in the movies where you've got the towers and the ladders and such, just circle it. And armies did this. like They would encircle the city if they could. Um, stationing men at different spots around the city so that if somebody tried to leave or escape or flee or somebody tried to bring food in or whatever it might be, supplies for the, the, the fighting, they could stop that. They could cut that off. You cut off supply routes. And so this is accomplishing that, right? This is a week-long endeavor. For six days, they're going to march once around the city. And on the seventh day, 
Seventh day, they're going to do it seven times. What are they doing during that time? Well, they're blowing trumpets. The, the seven priests with the seven trumpets, seven is the number of perfection. It's the number of God in Scripture here. Um, the, the declaration of the trumpet is war. And this is from Numbers chapter 10, verse 9, that they are to use it to, to signal the war, to, to fight. And there are other purposes for trumpets also in Numbers 10. You're welcome to read that as a family and, and learn about that particular instrument. Um, but it's a ram's horn. So you think of the, the ram, the curled, curved ram horn. Um, shofar is the, the word you would hear in, among the Jewish people today for such a trumpet. On the seventh day, they are to march around the city not once. So six days, once a time. Seventh day, they're to march around it seven times. And when they blow the trumpets, then everyone is to shout. And when they shout, the city walls are going to fall flat. And people shall go up straight before him. So the picture there is the walls fall down. And wherever you were standing, as you were a part of the army circling the city, wherever you were, just run straight into the city. Right? So everybody's basically aiming for that central point. They're converging. There's no gaps. There's nowhere to, to flee. So I mentioned this would be a great opportunity for a family activity for a devotion. Build yourself a city. I mean, you could do this on a small scale. So if you've got lots of Legos, for example, build a little Lego fortification. Uh, sons would enjoy something like that. Maybe maybe some daughters would too. And then if you've got lots of little Lego people, just have the little Lego people all around the city walls, right? And do that. Like, march them around the city a few times, and, and then maybe your whole family shouts together, and then the city walls fall down, and the little Lego guys go rushing in. Or you could do this on a grander scale, and, you know, in your living room or something like that, or on your kitchen table have a whole bunch of stuff. So if it's your kitchen table, you know, cereal boxes, stuff out of your pantry. Uh, if it's your living room floor, you know, tote boxes, storage bins, um, cardboard blocks, cardboard boxes. Uh, build yourself something impressive. And then as a family, walk around that together. And do the seven times, right? Do the seven times the final day. Pretend to blow trumpets and then everyone release a great shout and then knock everything down. Children enjoy that part, right? Knocking everything down. The destruction of Jericho. And as you talk about it, this is the focal point. Was it really their voices that made the city wall fall down? This is like the story of the three little pigs, right? The, the wolf threatening to huff and puff and blow your house down. I mean, this isn't a house of cards, right? This is a fortified, defensible city. And when they all scream, the city wall comes tumbling down. Now, as I record this, I'm living in the city of Kansas City. I'm living in a suburb. And I think of like the Kansas City Chiefs as having the loudest stadium in the NFL. And when the people are there shouting, it is a great shout. And it, you know, it makes things wobble, right? A little bit, but it's not bringing that stadium down. This isn't this isn't a, an explainable thing of science, like uh, the Lord positioned them just right, and so as their sound waves hit the walls, the walls, you know, they, they were rattled and they deteriorated. The walls fall flat. 
this is like what it would look like if you were doing this with your kitchen table and cereal boxes. The, the, the boxes just fall over, right? It's not about what the, the Israelites are doing. It's God who's fighting for them. The Lord does this thing. They are trusting him. Imagine how odd that would have sounded to them. We're going to march around the city and then we're going to shout and everything's just going to fall apart. But they trusted. That's been a challenge for them. It's a challenge for us in our faith too. They trusted though in God's word and it happened. Just as he said. That's what the rest of the text is going to be about. We're going to see it play out. But this is the open and that's a wonderful way to talk about it as a family. This is God fighting for his people and delivering this city into their hands. As he said in verse 2. So Joshua gives the command. And interestingly here, the Ark of the Covenant is going to follow. So God's throne is not going to be in the front. It's going to be, well, it's described as in the middle because you've got armed men walking in front of it. You also have a rear guard behind it. So God is in the midst of his people. But by the time you're a circle around the whole city, I mean, it's hard to tell what the middle is anymore, right? God is present with them right there in their midst. Verse 10, Joshua commands them to not make any sound, right? Not even a word from your mouth. Silence. Intimidation, right? Uh, To just walk silently for six days around the city. I don't know the size of the city, so I'm not sure how long of a walk that would have been. Are we talking about a mile? Are we talking about a few miles? Several? I don't know. But they do the walk once. And then they leave, and they go, and they camp in their camp overnight. They rise up early in the morning. They do it again. They do this six days consecutively. And then verse 15, on the seventh day, they rise at the dawn and they go around the city seven times. And on the seventh time, the priests blow the trumpets, the people shout, and the city walls come crashing down just as God had promised. Now, there is something to this more, and we see that in verse 17, uh, 16 too. Yahweh has given you the city. Joshua reminds them of the promise and that Yahweh is the one fighting for them. The city and all that is within it shall be devoted to Yahweh for destruction. All the people, all the animals, not taking anything for yourself. You're not plundering, right? That's common in war. You plunder what you, you attack. You pillage it. Not here. The Lord is going to provide for you. Trust him. This is God giving you this city that you might have otherwise been afraid of, as we see early in Numbers chapter 13 with the report of the 12 spies. God gave you this. Now, the idea that all the people and animals were destroyed bothers some Christians today. In simpleness, this is God's judgment. It is just and it is deserved, right? These these are sinners who have rebelled against God and the Lord is right to judge them and he can do so when he pleases. It isn't that they didn't have opportunity to repent, right? In fact, they have even in the book of Joshua and Rahab repented. Rahab believed and those in her house are spared. The others face the judgment. So the best thing, maybe if your children struggle with this, is to compare this to the last day. Or back to the ark, right? Even the ark of Noah's day is a similar kind of idea that when God sent the floodwaters on the earth, he saved Noah and his family, but everyone else perished. They might have started banging on the the sides of the ark, hoping that Noah would let them in, but judgment was sealed. 
at that time. They had their opportunity to repent, and they didn't. And on the final day when Christ returns, this is how it will be. We had our opportunity to repent, and those who have trust in the Lord, those who have faith in the Lord, will be saved. But those who have rejected him and resisted him and lived this life only for themselves, they will be lost. That gives the Christian urgency in our proclamation of the gospel, but it is not that it is unjust. We all deserve death and damnation. The Lord has spared some, and that is his mercy here, right? We see it. Verse 17, only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live. There is mercy. God spares those who are faithful, and he does it here. Now, all the, all the metals, the valuable metals, are taken into the Lord's house um, to be part of the Lord's treasury. There's not a temple yet, so the, the idea of the temple comes later. It's a tabernacle at this point for now. So they do it, they go in, the walls fall, they crash in upon the city, they destroy those who they're supposed to destroy. The two men, Joshua instructs them, the the two spies from earlier in the book, to go and take Rahab and her family and bring them out. And they do, and they set them beside the camp of Israel, and then they burn the city. Verse 25, Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day. Again, historical note. So whenever Joshua finally records the book of Joshua, this is true, right? She's still with the people. She is going to be one of those in the genealogy of Christ. The next time you see her name in scripture is going to be in Matthew chapter 1 as one of the ancestors of Jesus. There is another Rahab in the Old Testament. Um, I'm not, I don't recall in Hebrew if it's actually spelled the same way, but it's not, it's, it's a reference to something evil, almost out of a, a mythology of another religion. So not the same Rahab as this woman here is. Then Joshua lays on an oath upon the people that they shall not rebuild Jericho. Basically, consider this. If God has chosen to judge it and destroy it, and we choose to rebuild it, what does that say about us and our trust in God? right? It would be evil. It would be rebellion against God and his will. It would be sin to rebuild Jericho. And so the one who rebuilds it, if anyone does, will lose his firstborn son when he lays the foundation. And when he gets the gate up, the final thing, he'll lose his final son, his youngest son. First Kings chapter 16, verse 34, we learn this was actually Yahweh's word, not just something Joshua said, and that it comes to pass. King Ahab, described as wicked beyond all the wickedness of the other kings of Israel, does this. And his firstborn son Abiram and his youngest son Sagub die, just as the curse said. The Lord is with Joshua, and the fame of Joshua, the fear of Joshua, spread throughout the land. Hearts are melting. The promised land is going to be given to God's people.